0: Luke chapter 10, verse 25, we're going to read the whole passage, and it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? Jesus answers a question with a question. He would have been a good politician. How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. That's with everything, in case you didn't know. And he slips this in here, so just don't miss this one. And your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's the question, isn't it? It's like, I'm good with loving my neighbor. Just make sure you specify, like, who's the neighbor? Which one, the right or the left? Backyard or front yard? Like, who, which, which neighbor? He says, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, and leaving him half dead. Now, this is not the message, but I want to tell somebody who came into church, if you feel like you're half dead, I want to give you some encouragement. Because if you're half dead, you're also half alive for so for so so for some of you you need to come in with a realization you've been you've been so so down that you've been half dead but i want to encourage you that you're also half alive and the enemy should have taken you out when he had the chance but instead he only left you half dead half dead's good news because that's not all the way dead i know i know i'm really smart If if you came in feeling half dead, I believe God's going to do a resurrection in your life today because my Bible says that Jesus came to give life and life to the full. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Both of them did not help. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he sat him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, "'Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back.' Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers?' He said, "'The one who showed him mercy.'" And Jesus said to him, "'You go and do likewise.'" I, I, I want to use this passage of scripture as a backdrop over the next couple of weeks to, to talk about this, this concept and, and really we call the series safe travels because that really is the hope of everyone, you know, in your journey of life is that you're just going to have some safe travels. This is what this man hoped to have is safe travels as he moved from Jericho, Jer- Jerusalem to Jericho. But it just so happened that he fell among thieves. I, I, it doesn't take you very long to live in life before life will hit you in a way that you know that this life is not really all about safe travels. I want it to be, but safe travel is kind of like fantasy land. In this world, there's opposition, there's trouble there's pain, there's chaos, there's disappointments, there is, there's failures. In, in, in this world, the, we, we are going to face all kinds of setbacks that way. And this man was on his way when he encounters, he falls and he encounters this setback or this delay on his journey. I was, I was studying last night and I was at the house, and, and I wasn't feeling that great. And, and so I texted Jamie, and I said, hey, Jamie, I'm not, I'm not feeling that hot. And she comes rushing in because she's like that. She's super compassionate. Like, what, what do we, she's like, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? She knew I had to preach today. And she's like, what do we need to do? And I'm like, I don't think we need to do anything. I just wanted to tell you. It's like, that's how pathetic I am, right? <laughs> like, I'm sick. Uh, it, she, she's, she's like, well, what do we what do? we do?" And she, I, I was like, I just wanted to tell you. I just want to let you know, you know not feeling great. Why do we share stuff like that? We share because we are created to share things with people that we love. Whether you are an introvert or extrovert, you were created to do life with other people. In fact, if you want the safest travel that you can have in this life is that you have to commit to walk this road with other people. People don't like this. In fact, I have a difficult time with this at times. I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. I like to be alone. I recharge when I'm by myself. But you know what? I like to share my life with people. I like being married to Jamie. I like sharing our life together. I like having kids. I like having friends. Not too many, but I like having some. We were created to have relationship with one another. It's interesting that Jesus, as he's telling this story, he prefaces the entire story with two statements that are found both in the book of Matthew and the book of Mark. And Jesus says this to the man, the man who is a lawyer. He asked him the question, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I was thinking about that. I wonder if any of us really actually do that. Because I think for, for a lot of us, it can be easy to say that we do in words, but not in practice. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? What does it mean to have a commitment and a dedication to God that is not 10% or 9% or 17% but 150%? God, I love you. Everything I do is for you. My life is dedicated to you. I, I was preaching a lot of different places around California and I was in Orange County and Las Vegas I was in Sacramento and and uh I, I, I was preaching and, and you know what everybody always says about our church here it says oh you're in Dallas you're in the Bible Belt and it it irritates me because for one they, they they they're like oh it's so easy to build a church in Dallas everybody goes to church I'm like man you need to walk our streets we got some people that need some Jesus but that's all right Uh, But this is the other reason it irritates me. It irritates me because I don't like people to think that you came into this building or you came into one of our campuses, one of our services, just because geographically you live in Dallas. In fact, that's offensive to me, to think that we're a people that just come to church to check the box. No, friends, we are not a people that just come here out of religious duty or legalistic activity. We come here to meet with God because we are the people that love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is not just a geographical obedience. This is a sacrificial obedience. This is a commitment from the people of God that says, Lord, you are first. And I think it would be amazing for us as a church to shock the world by not just saying we've got a great big church in Dallas, but we've got a community of people that don't just sit in seats, but they really act out their faith by loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. So just so you know, you got to advocate in me. Because when they start saying that stuff, I'm like, man, y'all are crazy. Our people don't come just because they live in the Bible Belt. Our people come because they love the presence of God. Our people come because they love Jesus. Our people made a decision. Our people made a commitment to put him first above everything. So I've been defending (laughs) y'all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know what's really interesting is that in the Old Testament, the priesthood, when the, the, the priesthood, the, the priests that would minister to God, they had two responsibilities. Their number one responsibility was to minister to God. That was it. Before they did their work, before they served themselves, it was to minister to God. Their second responsibility was to represent God to the people. You know, First Peter says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That means you are a priest. That God, when you said yes to Jesus, you entered into the family of God, but you became a priest. So let me help you with this. That means your number one job is not to make a bunch of money. Your number one job is not to be super popular. Your number one job is not just to make it through this life unscathed. Your number one job in everything you do and in the job that you work and the family that you raise is to minister to God. In fact, I hear pastors say this all the time. My first ministry is to my family. It's not true. If your first ministry is to your family, you will fail it. And the reason that you're putting everything into it and it's failing is because you missed what was actually first. Your first ministry is to God. My first ministry is to Him. And when I minister to Him correctly, when I minister to Him wholeheartedly, now the way that I love... Happens differently. I can love Jamie differently if I've loved him first. I love my boys differently if I loved him first. We can love each other differently if we love him first. So we are a holy priesthood. And our first responsibility is to to, to minister to God. But the second responsibility is to represent God to his people. And this is where the second commandment that Jesus mentions. He says, and... Love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't know if I'm alone in here, but I just would have rathered if Jesus didn't say that. (laughs) God, me and you are good. We got this thing going. I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But neighbors? I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to confess this. I spent a lot of time trashing on my last neighbors. All right? I moved. And I love my neighbors now. Okay? So sometimes you got to do practical warfare. Some of y'all trying to just change your heart. Sometimes you just got to move. All right? And uh, (laughs) to... to my old neighbor that's probably watching, I love you buddy, but I had to move, alright <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself but this is really the question isn't it, who, who, who's my neighbor because that's what I want to know, if, I, if I've got a command from Jesus to love someone I need to know who this one is because I would like it if, if God would like exclude some neighbors right, there's there's some wicked people in the world. Do, do they really deserve my love? Man, there's some people that are just evil out there, vile. Do they deserve my love? Some of you are like, man, it's righteous indignation, pastor. That's fine as long as you put it to the strainer of God's love. I, yeah, it hit me like that too. It doesn't feel, that does not feel good because when we talk about love, our culture has so convoluted what love is that we think love is acceptance. Love is not acceptance. Love is beautiful. Love, is, love tells the truth. Love speaks the truth. Love does not compromise on standards, but it doesn't condemn you for breaking them. That, this is what Jesus did, right? Jesus, with the woman that was caught in adultery, he didn't excuse her sin. Well, if he loves her, he would have excused it. No, he didn't, he didn't excuse it. But he forgave her and, and gave her an encouragement to go to sin no more. He illustrated to us what it looks like to love other people. And it's not to condemn. In fact, you, we have no liberties as people of God of excluding any person from his love. You cannot find it anywhere in scripture, in the New Testament, where we have the ability or the the, the liberty as Christians to exclude someone from the love of God. Who is your neighbor? Probably the one you're thinking about that you don't want to be. You're thinking of someone too? (laughs) Me. I had three names. Just right there. Three names. (laughs) I love them. You, You know what I found to be True is that I don't have the ability to love my neighbor if I've not loved him with all my heart. And, and, and I have concerns even about the body of Christ and how we love one another. But guys, I'm telling you, this should be the safest place that you ever walk into. Shouldn't matter how you're dressed, how you look, what you've done this weekend. This should be a safe place to walk in and experience the presence of God. You shouldn't feel judgment or condemnation. You might feel holy conviction. Conviction's different than condemnation. Condemnation says you're bad. Conviction says what you did was wrong. Conviction draws you to the heart of Jesus. And in, you, you get embraced by his loving kindness and his forgiveness. Condemnation says get away. You're bad. You're excluded. That's religiosity. That, that is legalism. But Jesus says come to me and I'll cover and I'll forgive. And that conviction's actually good for us. But I can never truly love my neighbor if I don't completely love him. And I think it's interesting, this story that Jesus begins to tell. The the, the lawyer, he actually says this, he he said, uh, and Jesus called him out, he said, to justify himself, he asked, and who is my neighbor? Just tell me exactly, like who are these people that I need to love? Friends, your neighbor is the person that's in front of you. Your neighbor is the person that's beside you. Your neighbor is your family. Your neighbor neighbor is your relatives, extended family. Your neighbor is your in-laws. Your neighbor is your actual neighbor. Your neighbor are the people you get your coffee from. Your neighbor are the people that you work from. All of those people are our neighbors. I thought it was interesting that the people that were really supposed to help this man pass this man by. And that got to me because I started thinking about so many people that are in need in our culture and in our world, people that we pass by every single day. In fact, you would be surprised at the needs that are represented right here in this room. You would think, oh man, everybody here looks amazing. Man, they're worshiping. There is heartbreak that's in this room right now. There are people that are going through difficult financial situations that are in this room right now. There's people that have lost loved ones that are in this room right now. And, and we get so stuck in our own world, in our own bubble, that sometimes we miss the needs that are right next to us. And I started to ask the Lord, how do we get so, in, so, so encompassed with our own world that we can't feel for other people? And it says this in the passage. It says the priest walked by and the Levite walked by. He passed him by. And so this is the question I asked this week. I asked myself, what makes me pass someone by? I think it's a good question to ask. What makes me pass someone by? We, we can be, you know, even in the church, we can be so full of comparison and competition. We gossip about people. We think the worst about each other. You know, you should just, I'm just gonna give you just like a little little hint for free. All right, this will just help you. You start thinking better about people. You, you, you'll look better if you just start thinking seriously like actually physically you'll look better if you just start thinking better about people you just, you're just, you all contorted you all think everybody's out to get you Every, everybody's man they're this and they're that if you just thought better of people it would help you this isn't even spiritual this is practical you could pay me to be your life coach to tell you that that's free love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, these people passed him by. So I thought of three things that I think honestly get in the way of us seeing people. The first one is this, it's broken trust. And this is, this is one that gets me because broken trust is this. The first time you're injured, I'm here for you. Right, but then you play the victim card or you try to manipulate me, or you try to to use me, and now you've broken my trust. So in my mind, I can now eliminate you from neighbor status because you've wronged me, but that's not what Jesus said. So I don't get to eliminate because I've been, you you know, I, I, I I love the book Boundaries, which I know so many of you love, man, boundaries, boundaries. I love it but boundaries are not walls you know what a fence is? a fence a, f- a, fence, a fence a fence is a wall boundaries are, are things that you do to protect your trust but you don't do it without love if you put a boundary up without love you have actually harbored an offense Jesus has some stuff to say about that so I think this is, I don't think we don't see people because we don't want to see them. I don't think that sometimes we don't have compassion for people because we have evil hearts. I think collectively across this room, we would feel pretty good about, man, we love people. We want to help people. We want But when you get your trust broken, it's easy to just pass people by. The second thing I thought of was this inward focus. Inward focus. That's not bad to, to focus on your family and all those things, but you have to be careful that your inward focus is not robbing you of compassion for the world. There was a, there was a report of a shooting last night at the Texas State Fair. And um, I immediately texted on our group thread, on our staff. Hey, was any of our church people, anybody at the fair tonight? Anybody in our circle? Anybody in our community, right? I gotta, I gotta see. And and I'm I'm just I'm going to use myself as an example just to show. I'm not saying it's totally wrong. I'm just saying I just want to show you this picture. I I never thought once about the people that were injured. As soon as I found out they weren't my people, can I just confess it like that? Because I've got broken trust. So I don't know what did they do to provoke them. Right? Those are the questions I ask. Who is the crazy person that snuck the gun in? Why are they all doing that? You know, like, whatever. They, uh, there must have been a reason. Broken trust. Or inward focus. I don't even, I, I can't even feel for someone that is hurt. Friends, if someone who is hurt is right in front of you, if you don't have compassion, you have to check your love for God. I'm saying some heavy things, but I, I hope that you hear my heart in this, is that this is how we transform cities. It's not by acceptance, but it is radical love. It's radical love that says, I, I've got your back. I, I, I see your pain. I, I see what you're walking through. I can, I can empathize with you. It's not take my, my side or try to designate you as a non-neighbor so that I don't have to love you. No. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I love my neighbor as myself. The last one is this. And this is where I think all of us can get. It's calloused hearts. It's not meaning to be calloused, but there's so much pain in this world. I mean, you just, if you watch the news, you gotta go find the joy of the Lord. There's so much out there. There's danger. There's, Storms, there's fires, there, and you can just get callous to it. So your broken trust and your inward focus leads to a calloused heart, and pretty much it's like I just got to keep mine. I got to keep me and mine safe. I got to keep my family safe. I got to. I just just us. It's survival. And if you're living a survival life, you can't live a thriving life. Thriving is not surviving. No no. God wants to give you something so much more and so much better and so much bigger. And, and I want to encourage you to come back to a place of holy love and holy dedication and holy commitment. Do you, know, do you know how you love the unlovable neighbor? I found the key. I found the key. The way you find the one who's, how you love the one that's unlovable is by loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because I started to think like, God, I can love them, and I can love them, but this one, uh-uh. Nope, nope, nope. I'm not, getting, I'm not getting fooled like that again. Broken trust, inward focus, protect myself, callous heart, but when I love Him with my whole heart, when I love God with all my heart, my love for my neighbor becomes easy. When I love God with all my heart, my love for my neighbor becomes Easy. You know, I I I battled with this message because I wanted to preach something like the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage this week. I just felt like that. I just felt like, man, let's just let's just get after it, lay hands on some people, and 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 the Holy Spirit just kept on bringing me back to this passage and to this thought because you know what? If we just are a show, a club, just come here, get in the safety of the house, get in the safety of the church, let's just stick together. There's power in that, but friends, we have a world that needs to know the saving power of Jesus. We need an evangelism revolution, a love revolution that says that if you're hurting, I care for you. If you're my enemy and you're hurting, I care that you're hurting. You're going to feel the love of God that comes from this house. You're going to feel the love of God that comes from this church. You're going to feel the love of God that comes from my family. I just had this thought. If it's difficult for you, like you you got a lot of neighbors. You're like, boy, Pastor, this is a tough one. Start small. Start by loving him with everything and see what happens. And then love your family well. Love your family well. Like love them really well. Spend time together. Create moments. Get them in the house of God. Be in the presence of God. Make your kids go to youth group. Get in the place where they're around godly young people. And start small. You might have a neighbor out there It's like, man, that's a, that's a process. I'm good with that. But if you keep loving him with all your heart, that neighbor is going to get easier and easier. But you just start taking steps of faith into loving your family. Some of the greatest wounds happen through family. The people that hurt you the most are usually the ones closest to you. So you're like, man, I can love my neighbor, but I can't love them because of, yeah, even that family member, even that ex-wife is your neighbor. I'm not gonna excuse. Yeah, I didn't say excuse. I just said, don't let your boundary be a wall of offense that makes you stumble you know why we don't receive the fulfillment, like all fulfillment in in who God is? Is because we only obey God partially. If we would obey God 100%, we would have 100% satisfaction and fulfillment. But when you only obey him 50%, you're not, did you know that partial obedience could also be classified as disobedience? So for many of us, we say, God, we love you. I'm still praying about these. No, you're in disobedience. And I say it lovingly and I say it as I'm with you in this journey. I'm doing the best I can. But friends, we have to get back to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. If someone's mourning, we got to be able to sit with them, to stand with them, to believe in them, to pray for them. If you can't pray for someone, you need to get the priorities straight. Well, I'm not praying for them. Friends, that is an indicator. That is an indicator that your love for God is not complete. No, it's not. No, it's your love for God. Because that complete love for Him is what fuels our love for one another. I want to close with this thought I was reading in in the book of Acts. It's the birth of the early church. Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes. And and Peter, who was once timid, gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And now he's bold. And he gets up and he preaches. And it says 3,000 people were added to their number that day. That's a revival. 3,000 people get saved that day. But it's interesting in Acts chapter 2 verse 37. It says, "When the people heard this, Peter's message, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the I, I just want to focus on that. I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me, that for many of us we need to be cut to the heart again. That broken trust, inward focus and callous hearts has led to an inability to be cut, an inability to feel. An inability to empathize, to sympathize. Do you know how many times Jesus was moved with compassion in his ministry? All throughout your New Testament, Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. Love doesn't mean acceptance. But the lack of love communicates something so much louder than the presence of love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbors as yourself. I felt like today, I wanted to pray for some people who you've just had some callous hearts. And I believe this, God's gonna soften your heart again. God's gonna bring softness to your heart again so that you can feel again. Now, I'm I'm gonna tell you this. I'm just gonna give you a warning. When you begin to ask God to soften your heart, he will. So I started to pray this prayer. God, soften my heart. Break my heart for people's pain. I think I told you a, a, a couple months ago, I, I, was, I was on a plane. I was watching a documentary about someone's pain, and I started to cry on the airplane about someone I didn't even know. And I'm like, God, you're making my heart soft again. You're making my heart soft again. I can't get callous to pain. I I can't get callous to people's journey. I I can't get callous to people's struggles, to people's failures. Friends, we got to stick together. We've got to love one another. We've got to be the people that God's called us to be. And it's people that love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love each other as we love ourselves. Why don't you stand up with me across this place. I want to pray for two groups of people. We're gonna to close today. Little, little heavier message. We start talking about love our neighbor. We talk about love our God, love our God, love love God with all our heart. We're like, yeah, let's get it. Let's worship for the next four hours. Love our neighbor and gets quiet in here. If you feel like you can't, it's not because you can't. It's because you need to love Him more. In fact, I just want to just, I want to just move us right into that place. Will you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And, and can we just begin to worship across this place? Say, just saying, Lord, we need to love you more. If you're having a, a struggle with your neighbor, maybe you've had a calloused heart. Maybe you've had broken trust. Maybe you had people disappoint you. Maybe you've had an inward focus. Maybe you just know that your heart has been calloused. What we got to come back to is, Lord, we love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love you with everything that we are.